Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford. We're at the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg for the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. We're going to be talking to A.J. Ricketts, who's the play-by-play voice of Florida International Baseball, the Golden Eagles' upcoming opponent. He'll be on the show in just a moment. A little later in the show, USM women's golf coach Lucy Nunn also joining the Eagle Hour. Remind you, though, first, that the opening segment is always sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Our good friends at Dickey's always have delicious meats that they smoke in-house every day in their restaurant here in Hattiesburg and Laurel and all around Mississippi. And, of course, they cater any event, large or small. So the next time you have something special, we encourage you to let Dickey's do the cooking. Okay, Luke, we're going to bring AJ on the show here in just a moment. We'll talk a little bit about it uh, later in the show, but uh, obviously a really disappointing performance last night by the Golden Eagle baseball team. Everything was really good until the middle of the sixth. Uh, got into some trouble, walked some batters, put up, gave a five spot up to the Rebels, and uh, Ole Miss went on to score ten runs in the last uh, six in, or the last. Uh, four innings and so four errors by the Golden Eagles we'll talk a little bit about it more but uh, just they did not close out and uh, you can see what coach Barry told us Monday that the bullpens the arms are getting a little tired from the dependence we've had on earlier in the season and just unable to do it Uh, the game started well uh, was cruising pretty well and then ended very badly all right well no time to feel sorry for yourself because another tough opponent this weekend as the Golden Eagles travel to uh, Florida to take on Florida International, always a talented ball club. A.J. Ricketts is the play-by-play voice of Florida International. And, uh, A.J., welcome to the Eagle Hour. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, we're talking about uh, mistakes that uh, have been plaguing the Southern Miss baseball team this year, eras and uh, not getting batters uh, in or not getting hits when you have people on base. Uh, Anything similar being experienced uh, down there with uh, Florida International? Yeah, I think we can emphasize with that a little bit, guys. Uh, you talked about errors, and defensively, that's bit that's bit us more times than not. Forty-five errors uh, right now at this point in the season. You know, a lot of them two outs, runners on base, extending innings, and there's a big part of this recent slump. The guys were a little bit more clean at Rice this past weekend. I think they needed a, a series like that, but but certainly defensive miscues. I've heard the ball club at times and. And just a, a lack of offense. I think four runs total uh, in the series uh, at FAU two weeks ago. Early in the season, the offense looked like it could be explosive uh, against FAU. Four runs combined in three games. So I think some offensive slumps and some defensive miscues have certainly hurt the ball club at, at, through this point in the season. AJ, hey is, is FIU an experienced ball club or a young ball team? Uh, I'd have to say, young guys, I have only only one senior on the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they, they certainly have, uh, I would say, young veterans, uh, guys that have had a lot of time, and their freshmen are 
or, or sophomore campaigns thus far, but it's a heavily laden underclassman team, which you know that that bodes well. You know, moving forward, obviously, uh, all that experience, uh, you know, two straight top twenty-five recruiting classes, and and they're getting their experience, getting their lumps. Uh, I think down the road. It should pay off, but you talk about the makeup of the team and only one senior, and he's good. He's a transfer from Cal, son of a former Miami Dolphin, uh, Lorenzo Hampton. He has one of the top averages on the team, but certainly it's not like seniors are walking around the clubhouse, you know, holding freshmen accountable and teaching them the way. It's not something like <laughs> like that going on. All right, Luke? AJ, thanks for being on today. Talk about uh, the, the batting lineup. Uh, I was looking. Southern Miss, uncharacteristically, only ha- really has three batters over 300 this year. Same way with you guys. Uh, Logan Allen's leading uh, at, with 319, but everybody else is under 300. So both teams kind of uh, experiencing some offensive slumps this year. Yeah, and the thing about Logan, he's become so good as a Friday night starter that you know he really doesn't see much time at the plates. He has about 70, 80 less at-bats than, than most everyday starters. I mean, only 47 at-bats through this point of the season. You know, he'll play, he'll start on the mound Friday nights and maybe get in during midweek games or on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but typically, you know, Friday, Saturday, he's not even in the, the starting lineup to use that 319 average. So you know, that's kind of frustrating. He's, he's one of the best players, obviously, on the squad. He's a Gatorade player of the year in the state of Florida two seasons ago. Um, but offensively, uh, a lot of slap hitters, guys that can hit for power, Hampton, Jose Garcia, uh, a couple of those guys. Garcia was a freshman All-American. Um, but right now, yeah, Logan's technically the only person above 300. Lorenzo Hampton was around 380, 370 for much of the first month, month and a half. But you know, obviously, typically, you see that cool, cool down a little bit. So, um, yeah, a lot of 280s, 270s, 250s guys right now. You talk about Logan Allen on the mound. Bob and I uh, groaned a little bit because Logan Allen is a 1-4 ERA, and he's a left-hander, and that has really been the bane of Southern Miss's existence uh, this year so far. We have a top left-handed lineup uh, batting-wise, but uh, a couple more guys. You got you got several guys in the sub threes and and uh, even even lower. Talk about the starting rotation and what the Eagles are going to see this weekend. Yeah, I think everyone expected Logan Allen to take another jump up uh, in his sophomore campaign. I mean, he had a great year as a freshman on the mound, you know, 85 strikeouts. That was the second most all-time uh, NFIU uh, history in a single season. Uh, picked up a number of wins. But, man, he, I mean, throughout the first month and a half, he was electric. And he had another rough opening start, gave up uh, three earned runs against Stony Brook. But he went from February 22nd, through March 29th without giving up an earned run. I mean, I, I think it was a span of wow. 32 innings. <laughs> it was it was sensational to watch. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even describe him as a crafty lefty. He's just a really good lefty. You know, he, he doesn't, it's not so much about, you know, using off-speed stuff and a mix of pitches, curveball, sliders, change. I mean, he, he can blow one by you, too. But uh, the last the last couple of uh, starts for him have really been terrific. Western Kentucky, no doubt his best start of the season. He nearly made it uh, the complete game. Was was convincing his coach Melendez to, to leave him in. You could see him on the mound, almost kind of like pushed him off, said, I got this, I got this in the eighth inning when, when Murph came out to see if he'd be okay. And, I mean, Murph's coached him since Little League, too, so they have a, a great relationship. But So Logan Allen, definitely the the, the highlight on the mound. Nick McDonald has, has shown flashes of brilliance. Uh, if he can locate his, his fastball well, and his secondary pitches are, are, are effective on, on two strike counts. He can be a, 
uh, a pretty effective weapon as well on Saturday. The Sunday Sunday guy is starting to rotate a little bit. Christian Santana had some struggles last week. Franco Aleman uh, got the start on Sunday. He's a great story. His family moved him. Uh, they moved from. They were able to relocate from Cuba to uh, to Tampa when he was 11 years old. He used to watch Disney Channel, Phineas and Ferb, to learn the English language. <laughs> he says even now. He'll watch Phineas and Ferb, and, and he, he finally understands everything now that he knows a little bit of English. But uh, he's a great story, and he might be the Sunday afternoon guy. We'll have, we'll have to see what the staff decide. All right. Well, look, we look forward to the uh, series. It's always uh, very competitive. Let me ask you real quickly before we let you go. You guys just won yep. two out of three against Rice. Uh Always so odd to see Rice near the bottom of, of the standings. What did, yeah. what did you see with the, with the Rice ball club? Well, you know, obviously it's not a it's not a vintage Rice team uh, this year. It's been been a couple of seasons since they've been at the standard. But you know, for for FIU, I don't, I don't think it mattered who they played. They, they just needed to find a way to get in the win column. I think they took advantage uh, of the pitching on Saturday. Uh, Evan Kravitz for Rice, uh, just two and two on the season. They were able to tag him for five earned runs. Nick McDonald went seven innings. So that gave them. I think it was. I think it was terrific that they were able to play. Back-to-back games on on Saturday. Look, if you score 13 runs in a game, you want to play an hour later. You don't want to wait mm-hmm. till the next right. day to, to to finish off the series. So I think I think that was uh, beneficial for for FIU too. And, and credit the guys. I mean, they they lost five four Houston. And they lost eight five on the Friday night game at Rice. And they lost twelve out of thirteen to, to win both those games Saturday. I think was huge for the guys, and, and, and maybe that'll be the the jolt they need, you know, moving forward. Thirteen runs in one game, when you know they went a whole weekend scoring four. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but certainly Southern Miss and FAU, they're the class of the conference right now, and, and it's going to be a different test this weekend, even though it is uh, it is in Miami. It's a funny game, AJ, as you well know. You just never know what's going to happen, do you? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> hey, thanks for being on the show, man. Great conversation. I hey, appreciate, appreciate it, guys. Right. Thank you so much. A.J. Ricketts, everybody, play-by-play voice of Florida International. And that's where the Golden Eagles will be playing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This Friday, this show will be at Fuzzy's Tacos on Hardy Street, right across the street from the Southern Miss campus. So we're looking forward to that. And, uh, Luke, something tells me you'll you'll down two or three tacos if they offer them to you. Brisket nachos. Is that right? Is you, the so way you know. When you're at Fuzzy's. You know. I have experience. Yes. All right. Fuzzies this Friday. That's where the Eagle Hour will be. Luke and I will be right back after this.
Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Broadcasting today from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us around the state. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. You know them. They've got the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel and merchandise anywhere in the country. You can visit them on Hardy Street uh, Monday through Saturday, or you can reach them online at CampusBookmart. That's M-A-R-T dot net. Great people. Big Southern Miss supporters. Longtime supporters of the Eagle Hour, <clears throat> excuse me, and we appreciate their support very much. Going to be talking to Lucy Nunn, the women's golf coach at Southern Miss, uh, here in a moment. Uh, not able to reach her right now, so we'll just push that down to the next segment, and uh, Dalton will continue to take a look uh, and try to find Coach Nunn. All right, at Fuzzy's Tacos, as we said, uh, next Friday, we're, or this Friday, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, between now and then, though, uh, a little time to talk about baseball. And I don't know, Luke, let's talk a little bit about last night. Um, good buddy of mine, I think you've met Al Holder before, was at the game. And he calls me right before the thing kind of fell apart and talked about how relaxed and confident the baseball team was playing and how the pitching staff was just shutting down Ole Miss and that uh, Ole Miss looked frustrated. We looked uh, confident and uh, – and had a lot of swagger about us. And then, you know, you start walking people. So we end up with seven walks, four errors, and we leave 11 people on base. That's always going to be a formula to lose against a good baseball team. Yeah, I'll miss number 10 in the country and uh, got on the board early. Uh, we're able to put runs up in uh, the first and the second inning and uh, really responded back in the top of the second and went up on Ole Miss 2-1 and and it just kind of fell apart. Three straight walks in in the bottom of the sixth uh, just really did us in. Gave up five there, gave up another one in the seventh, and then gave up four more in the bottom of the eighth. And didn't really want to be anywhere around Trustmark Park when it was over with. It, it was a, it started well and it, and it continued well, and it was just brutal. But yeah, four errors, and some of these are uncharacteristic. You know, I know Slater was moved over to first base later on in his career, but he was a solid. You know, uh, first baseman last year, and when you look at uh, AJ was talking about how so many errors that FIU had had. Southern Miss actually has three or four more errors uh, defensively than FIU has on the year. Southern Miss close to fifty uh, fielding errors, uh, and and it's just really, really, really strange. It's head scratching. It comes at uh, weird moments of the game, and and there's just no way that you're going to be successful against really good competition when you do that. I thought the turning point of the game was uh, I think it was in the fifth when uh, uh, Golden Eagles got two people on base with one out. They intentionally walk Walner, so you've got the bases loaded, one out, and you get two consecutive strikeouts. I, th- I thought that was I thought that was really the turning point, and I think it was right after that that the walks and the errors started up. It was a tough night for Blaylock. Uh, he went 0 for 3, and he's been one that's had clutch hitting. So it's just baseball goes that way. He struck out three times last night. Cole Donaldson, Cole Donaldson 0 for 4 with, with two strikeouts. Uh, you look at Walner, um, he struck out. Uh, he didn't strike out last night, walked once, went 1 for 3. But really your offense was uh, Bowen and Slater. Uh, I think Montenegro got a double there and, and ended up scoring. But it was just um, it, crucial hits. Again, 11 Runners left on base. To Ole Miss's credit, uh, four runners left on base. Mm-hmm. Golden Eagle pitching staff uh, was was pretty good. Jared Ride wasn't bad at all. Gave up one run in three innings. It was just and, and Tweedy, who has been really really good all year, uh, just walked the, the bases loaded, and that's where uh, the floodgates opened. Well, after retiring, I think seven straight batters. 
that he walks three consecutive batters. I wasn't with you Monday, but what did Coach Barry say about the about the pitching staff? We talked about um, you know just about how it the, the bullpen was used really a lot uh, so far this season and he he mentioned the word I can't remember if it was fatigue or, or a little tired he said our bullpen been arms are a little tired and and that's what happens when you don't have a you know a, a Sunday starter that can go you know five six innings uh, it, it's going to help you'll see it maybe this weekend or especially next weekend with Stevie Powers being back but you think about Walker Powell basically save save the bullpen on Friday night. Um, no need to use them. You don't have to use them. Use a couple guys on Saturday. Uh, midweek games have been Johnny Holstaff, but you you look at the guys they brought in last night. Um, it, it was no J.C. Keys last night. Uh, Josh Lewis had a really tough outing. Mason Strickland, who who has been good in, in different spots, gave up three. But you know it, it was Tweedy um, who ha- has been ext- extremely good this year. Just uncharacteristic for him to walk three straight batters. So Coach Barry, just kind of they've acknowledged that 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 the bullpen is a little tired at this point because they had been leaning so hard on them in the first part of the season. You said Jared Wright pitched well, and and I thought he pitched well the last couple of weeknight games that he's pitched. Why do you suppose you take him out after three innings, though, when he he is seemingly pitching pretty well? You, you look at that lineups coming around to face him, uh, maybe the third time. Um, you know, you, you, that top of the order, they wanted to get a couple more arms in. But the way Tweedy's been, I mean, you know, he's he's been really good this year, and so. Uh, Wright's been a guy. He's given them. I think maybe he went five innings in one game, but the most he had given them was like four. So he was about where he normally is appearance-wise. Uh, so you know, Ostrander, um, and and that's why he's he's our pitching coach. He's excellent mm-hmm. at what he does. I'm, so, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes you throw a guy out there, and I heard a baseball coach say it one time after a big play in the game. He said, "Yeah, that kid made me look like a genius." Yeah. You know, and so, and the, the other aspect of that is you, you, you put a kid in that's been really good. He's got a tough night, can't find the strike zone. And, uh, five runs later, you know, you got to pull him. So, so that's what's, uh-huh. it's just sometimes it's a gamble. All right. So you're about 60% through the season. The Golden Eagles are 20 and 10. I believe I'm right about that. So they've played 30 games. They've won 20 out of 30. For a lot of ball, a lot of ball clubs, that's, that's a good, you know, that's a good deal for a lot of programs. Uh, that, that'd be a lot of excitement. But you sense that that's not the way I'm sure the Golden Eagle coaching staff, team, and fan base feels right now, 20 and 10. So look back and give me your analysis of what you think you've seen so far, and then look ahead and tell me what you think the Golden Eagles have to do to get where they want to get before the end of the year. Uh, from a win perspective, you would think you could have won maybe five more. You could be uh, right now twenty-five and five. You could have won the series at Mississippi State. You should have beat UNO on a Tuesday night. Had an opportunity to beat Gonzaga in one of those games, um, and then you you look down. You lose the Lafayette game in, in extra innings. That's that's three, maybe four. Um, you, you look at uh, a couple more you lost. Uh, you should have won another one at UTSA. So, you know, they could easily be 24 and 6, 25 and 5 right now. One of the things that this team has not shown um, is when there's blood in the water, they put it away. Um, you know, a couple times they've, they've been resilient in, in a few times. We've seen that. Uh, but you, this, this killer instinct that we're accustomed to seeing, just pour it on, pour it on, pour it on. 
uh, it, it's a little lacking with this team. Doesn't mean they can't get into it. Doesn't mean they can't uh, you know find it. But uh, uncharacteristic um, fielding errors. Uh, uncharacteristic leaving so many people on base, the lack of crucial key hits. Uh, and, and, and it's really interesting, in a year where the offense is lacking, the pitching has been pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. You look at 75 80% of the season, the, the, the bullpen has been much better than it is than it has been in several years. And it's just, if you feel like, and it's just the way sports are, Bob, but you feel like, you know, the, one of those years, if you could have had most of the bullpen that you had with the offense or with this bullpen, you could right. have a couple more offensive pieces. It would, it would have just set the world on fire. And you just find yourself lacking in a few different places. But that's baseball. Well, you always look back to it, these juniors you lose after their junior year. You go back two years, you lose Taylor Braley and Kirk McCarty. Uh, and then you, you put them on that team the next year and you think, my heavens, you know, that might have been a World Series baseball team. You look back last year, you, you're losing Luke Reynolds, you're losing Lebo, you're losing Nick Sandlin. Boy, if you had those, I guess Lebo was a senior, but if you had those other two juniors on your ball team this year, it makes a massive difference. But that's college baseball, and uh, I don't see any change in that, do you? I don't, and and we should be thankful that we've had Matt Warner for three years. You know, the, the one realistic gripe from a fan base is in basketball when there's a one and done culture, right? But you know, especially in baseball, th- thankfully we're you know we're still frustrated that we lose juniors. We could be losing freshmen and sophomores um, if baseball wasn't regulated that way. So, uh, you know, it, it is frustrating, uh, but it's part of the game. Biggest thing Eagles got to do: you get FIU. Um, you get uh, at South Alabama, and then you get Charlotte. Got to win the series this weekend. Hopefully you sweep. I need to find out who FAU is going to play this weekend. But you're one game behind out of first place right now. That's right. Um, but you're going to have to clean it up defensively, or you're going to lose close baseball games down the stretch. Right. And uh, you're right about basketball. That is, I think, damaged the sport of basketball, the one-and-done thing. Uh, although the, sweet, uh, the, the NCAA tournament was very exciting and – it, it, did I see this right? Did did we have a championship game that did not involve an SEC team, Luke? Or was that was that my imagination? Not only that, we had a championship game with two teams that had never played in the championship, right. which I think made it even extra special. Hey, by the way, before we hit the break, FAU at home against Louisiana Tech this weekend. That's the series of the week. Well, that's interesting. In conference no USA. question. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Back on the Eagle Hour on a Wednesday, Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studios 
in Hattiesburg, beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Swing by and get their famous plate lunch served fresh and hot every single day. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Well, men's golf uh, yesterday finished up in Nashville, Tennessee on from the Ryman Hospitality Intercollegiate. Southern Miss sophomore Brian Richards fired a final round 4-under 67 to win the individual championship. Men uh, finished second overall. Always great uh, when our golfers are uh, winning championships and and doing that uh joining us next the uh, lady eagle golf coach lucy nunn joining us as the ladies get ready to uh, head to the conference usa championships uh, down in florida and we're happy to have coach nunn joining us what's up coach not much thank you guys for for having me on and how about our guys finishing yesterday that was good momentum for us getting ready for conference so super excited about them Absolutely. Talk about that just for a second. We want to talk Lady Eagle golf, but how big a deal is it when you have an individual that wins the championship and you have a top five finish as a team? It's huge. You know, it's one of the things, you know, with golf, it's such an individual sport, but, you know, all the individual accomplishments add up to a big team accomplishment. If you see your teammate doing well, that's just more motivation for you to do well. So it just kind of, you start feeding off each other and good things start happening. We, uh, we want to congratulate you. I think today is the 11-month anniversary that you've been a Golden Eagle since you came over uh, from, from Houston, about to awesome. celebrate your, your first-year anniversary. How has it been uh, your, your, this first year as a Golden Eagle? It's been a lot wetter than I thought it was going to be coming over here. <laughs> um, but it's been really good. I've really, really enjoyed the community and, um, gosh, of course, the golf courses around town. But I've I've really enjoyed my time as a Golden Eagle. I'm looking forward to what the future holds for us. You you talk about Hattiesburg, and you mentioned some of the courses, uh, some amazing courses here. Of course, the the facility you have at Hattiesburg Country Club for a community, you know, relatively compared to Houston and other you know major metropolitan areas, Hattiesburg is a great golfing community with some great courses, isn't it? Fantastic, and we still have you know a lot of alumni kind of floating around all over the place, so. Um, it's, it's almost like once you get here, you don't really want to leave because the golf's so good. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, talk to us coming up. Uh, your ladies uh, head out this weekend going down and get to play a Nicholas course down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, the Veranda Club. Take us through what's all about a, a Conference USA Golf Championship. Yeah, so um, the girls have gotten me pretty hyped up for it. We stay with uh, you know, host families down there, so I think one of our families has hosted us for – this will be the, the fifth year now, so they've already got, you know, the girls have got their rooms already reserved. But, um, you know, we seem to fare pretty well down down in Florida at Florida Courses. I don't know if it's the, you know, the Bermuda there or the Gators or what exactly it is. Um, but, you know, they've the seniors have been kind of walking me through the golf course, kind of what to expect. So our practices have been start, sort of, um, you know, starting to be a little bit more tailored to what we're going to see uh, this week. But, you know, this is the time of year, you know, regular season's done. We can put whatever we've done in the past and you know we've really started to kind of fresh this week on like you know our main focus is getting to the championship and putting up some good stuff hey coach bob getty here glad you have you on the show thanks for coming on this afternoon no thank you uh as a golf coach how much time do you have to actually go play the game that you love so much not as much as i want mm-hmm. um it's one of those you know we're out there uh, both my our graduate assistant and i abby are out there you know good chunk of the day and by the time we get done we're so tired we just want to go home and sleep um get ready for the next day but we're starting to play um and compete a little bit more with the girls and 
um, you know, summertime is kind of more, more our time to kind of relax and, and pick it back up and get ready for them to come back in August. Mm-hmm. I, I probably was the worst golfer in the history of the sport when I attempted <laughs> to play. And one thing I always observed about golf is, uh, at least for me and the people that I knew, to become really proficient at it, you have to play the game a lot. Am I correct about that? You are absolutely correct. But it's one of those things, you know, you go out and you play and you hit that one good shot and it sucks you back in because, you know, after a while you're like, ah, I'm done with it. I'm not going to do it. But you hit that one good shot. It's like, you know what? I'm okay. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so if someone's listening, say a young kid that's in high school or maybe even younger and golf has caught their interest, what advice as a Division One college coach do you give uh, young women that, that aspire to, to play golf at your level and perhaps even do what you do for a living? Absolutely. You know, it's just to continue to chase what you're passionate about and um, just go compete, no matter you know if it's a local tournament, if it's a state tournament, national tournament, whatever it is, whatever level, you just got to go compete and, and test yourself and keep testing yourself over and over again and, um, and figure out where you are. Yeah. Luke, how bad would this lady beat you in 18 holes? Well, just to put it this way, Coach Nunn, one time I uh, I got in, uh, it was early in my golfing career, I'm still about a 90, 92 guy, and, and I pulled into a, we were playing some really nice course down in Pensacola, and I looked at my partner, and I was like, uh, yeah, I shot under today, and uh, the guys were coming up, pulling our bags off, they are like, man, under on this course is awesome, and I was like, under 100, he went, oh, <laughs> so, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, different level, Coach, for sure. Talk to our listeners out there because you have such a pedigree. Uh, you were great at Arkansas, and then when your coaching stops at Kentucky, and and then uh, you, you you guys won out of Houston, won the American. What is the the fundamental you know foundation building blocks for building a, a perennial uh, golf program that that is a power that looks to be an NCAA regionals year after year? You know, even with you know from players up to support staff, it's finding the right people um, and surrounding yourself with with people who are going to make you better. Um, you know, ultimately it comes down, and it goes back to, you know, I mentioned earlier competition and those that are wanting to compete and get better and prove something and do something um, that's maybe a little bit bigger than themselves. And, you know, our group, um, our group's a bunch of fighters and we're, we're starting to see kind of the fruits of our labor within that. And um, so really excited about the future for it. Talk, uh, talk us through some of your ladies. The first thing that really jumps out when you look at your um, your, your roster, you, you got South Carolina, you got Alabama, and then it gets big. You got a Norwegian, a Mexican, someone from Chile, uh, from Chile, South mm-hmm. Australia, and Thailand. I mean, I'm talking about multiple continents represented on the Lady Eagle Golf Club. It's a pretty amazing. You can also throw Alabama in there because that's a whole different place in itself right. too. But yeah, it's like it's another, a very diverse right. roster. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, that's the game of golf now. Um, you know, look on in any tour, anywhere, um, and you get a wide variety. Um, and, you know, for a lot of our American players, they don't really get that exposure um, to meet that many people outside of just playing golf um, from different countries. So I think having your teammates that, um, you know, come from different places can teach you different things. They can learn a lot. Um, I, th- I think it's huge. Coach, how do you find these kids from all over the world? You know, a lot of them will come over here and play in tournaments. Um, I'll travel abroad. It's really rough, but, you know, got to do it um, to go watch and play. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's just you know someone who knows somebody um, that's got a player that's interested in coming over and playing. Um, sometimes it's luck. It just kind of depends on the day. 
Coach, I'm sorry that you have to travel all over the United States and play at these beautiful golf courses. And then, on top of that, you have to go overseas to recruit players. Is there anything we can do to help you through this tough life you're living? Man, I tell you, my office is constantly changing. The views, types of grass. It's, it's really it's really hard to adjust. Do you ever look at football coaches and just laugh at them? There's, a, there's, there's been some times where I'm like, man, I should, probably should have coached like basketball so I can be indoors. But... Um, you know, those days are few and far between. All right, Coach. Always always fun having you on the show. And uh, keep up the good work. We're proud of you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, Coach. Coach Lucy Nunn, the women's golf. Because they, they're, the, they're the smartest coaches in, in, the, in the world of college athletics, Luke. They really are, and you look at where they're going down this weekend. I was looking at it's the Veranda Golf Club down in Fort Myers. It was a a course that Jack Nicholas and his son, um, who one of them will probably hit a hole in one at the par three today at the Masters par mm-hmm. three tournament. Uh, they, this is one they designed together, and and Golden Eagle fans should go on there and check out the Veranda Golf Club down in Fort Myers. Lady Eagles will be playing down there in the Conference USA Championships, and anytime there's a, a, a championship, we got a team playing for a championship. You know, need to be aware of it and. Cheer for them. Uh, but to go back yesterday, Bob, a uh, really, really cool story with with sophomore um, golfer Brian Richards. He was he, he did pretty good. I mean, he was, I think when we went off air yesterday, he was like uh, three shots back. Right when we went off air, he eagled number 10 and then birdied 15 and 17 wow. and uh, won the overall individual championship. So congratulations to Brian uh, Richards. Congratulations to Coach Pressure. And, and the men overall, the team finished second yesterday. It was a big, big day for a Golden Eagle Golf. Yeah, they did very well. Uh, how long we got uh, left in this segment, Dalton? Uh, we got about 35 seconds All right. left. Well, we, we don't have much time to get started now, but when we get back, I want to get your observations of spring football, Luke, and uh, what is it, just a little over a week away? I know, wasn't, the, wasn't 10 on the show yesterday? Am I mistaken about that? 10 was on the show, and, and I asked 10, had he been talking smack to four? Because it's this uh-huh. weekend at 1130, uh, and a 10 had not been talking smack to four. But if I was 10, I would have been talking smack to four. But Brad and Reggie have not got into it yet. But it mm-hmm. should be really fun to see those two guys on a Saturday as honorary coaches. Also, they're going to be uh, former teammates come in. And if you played with Reggie, you're on Reggie's sideline. If you played with Brett, you're on Brett's sideline. Number 10, the greatest Golden Eagle of all time, in my humble opinion. We'll be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Southern Miss Lady Eagle golf coach Lucy Nunn for joining us. And uh, right now, Coach Nunn about to celebrate her uh, one-year anniversary uh, at Southern Miss. Go back and read her her resume and pedigree is pretty good. She was all SEC at Arkansas, uh, coached at Kentucky and Houston, uh, both 
places. They reached the regionals and looking to build that Southern Miss uh, winning culture here in Hattiesburg. Lady Eagles head out uh, this weekend, go down to Fort Myers and take place in the Conference USA Championships. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Carter's Jewelry, located in Petal, Mississippi. Also online at cartersjewelry.com. SMTTT Jewelry and Jewelry for every Southern Miss Golden Eagle fan. Go by and see Shay Carter and her friendly staff, Luke, Bob, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel and, and Bob yesterday, the number 10 was on. And just talking about something that surprised me. He said that Jim Carmody's uh, practice, uh, spring practice, and Bobby Collins' spring practice about the same in toughness. I thought Big Nasty would have tried to get after him a little bit more, but mm-hmm. Coach Collins up for the task. Uh, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool having Ten relive some spring memories yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is, he's full of great stories. I, I know he's told me before that the the hardest hits he ever took in college football were in practice by his own teammates. You know, you would think when Reggie Collier was your quarterback, everyone on the team would know not to try and hurt him in practice. You don't want to see him hurt, but apparently there was no mercy back in those days, brother. No such thing as red shirts on quarterbacks, he said. He talked about also how they would have gold line stands at, in, at they would end their practices that way, and it was on. I mean, they would hit each other in the mouth and, and all kinds of stuff. But you know, Reggie said it's just a different, it's just a different, uh, different area. And if you missed the, if you missed yesterday, I give you a plug for our, for our, our podcast. Uh, if you if you missed the interview yesterday, go back and listen. Uh, you can hit it on uh, Dalton. Tell them where they all can get it. Where the podcast is located again? Well, right now we've got it on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes for the Apple Podcast app, and on Google Play. They can access them all on there as well as the Super Talk website. Super Talk. Bob, and, and the reason the reason for that was Reggie said that his that three of his grandkids were sitting on the couch and they had the tablet out and they were watching YouTube videos and they would look at him and they would look at the screen and they'd look at him and they'd look at the screen and they said, Hey, that ain't you. This guy's fast. <laughs> and then he said and then he said they looked back at me and they said, You fat. You fat. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, he was the man in his day, brother. There's no, there's no debate about that. <laughs> Spring practice. Uh, looking forward to uh, this coming Saturday, the Black and Gold game. Uh, starts at 1130. Uh, honorary coaches Reggie Collier and Brett Favre. I guess one of the prevailing um, kind of thoughts out of practice, and especially in the last week, has uh, been Jack Abraham. Uh, really solidified himself, I believe, as the starter. Accuracy and uh, a few more weapons. Uh, we we hope Quez Watkins is able to uh, to return back. But Chris Ruggs Jr., Tim Jones. You look at uh, Neil McLaren being able to step up the receivers. Uh, if Jalen Adams can uh, Jalen Adams can get uh, healthy again, want to see that. Uh, a lot of injuries right now on defense. I don't think any of them are severe, but they're thinking that this defense is even deeper um, than it was a year ago and, and could even be better than it was a year ago when they finished third in the nation in total defense. So, Golden Eagle fans, uh, come out and, and see what uh, Jay Hobson and, and I, I think what you're going to see also Saturday, you're going to see a lot of running the football. Um, and they're going to have to do that. But I think there's going to be an extreme emphasis from Faulkner, from Walden, from Stanchek to show not only themselves, but all the rest of us um, that they've really emphasized the running game. A little unusual. In the spring game, normally on the same uh, weekend of a home baseball series, so you have a full day of activities. 
It is, but when you look at the baseball schedule, um, you got Charlotte coming in, but it's a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, the Easter. Saturday game's at 10 a.m. because of Easter. Charlotte, you got to play it early so they can get back, and so you would have a baseball game basically going on at the same time as the spring football game. Right. Nobody wants that, so they bumped it up a week. Right. And see, that's, see how, um, that's how much smarter they are. Go ahead. No, go ahead. They are, and... Uh, Lee Applewhite was on yesterday and uh, just wanted to communicate from uh, the Eagle Club. We ran out of time yesterday. But on behalf of the Eagle Club, Lee Applewhite, and and I would say all of us on the Eagle Hour, with Jeremy McLean coming in, uh, the focus for the last week has really been Jeremy McLean, Jeremy McLean. And, man, we're excited about that. But we here on the Eagle Hour, um, along, I I know, with several people, many people from the Southern Miss fan base, uh, Lee Applewhite, the Eagle Club, we all want to say a huge thank you to Jeff Mitchell and Brian Moore our interim athletics director and our interim deputy athletics director. They have done a tremendous job during this transition process and uh, really worked with Dr. Bennett to see uh, uh, you know, Jeremy McLean coming back. So everyone inside the athletic program, uh, we here at the Eagle Hour want to thank you for your service, specifically uh, Jeff and Brian. And, uh, man, we hope you stay on. And we can have a dream team um, here at the top and uh, to the top at Southern Miss. Well, good. It's good to have somebody that uh, that's from Mississippi coming back uh, to run the athletic department uh, that that will be here for a while. We've got to have some stability, Luke, in the athletics uh, department, and uh, hopefully uh, the new AD will be the guy to bring that to us, right? Absolutely. All right. I'll see you Friday, Luke, at Fuzzies. And it was big of you to say that since Dalton can't come in his honor, you will not eat any tacos while we're there. Mm-hmm. Did I understand you correctly? You. You said that we were going to eat for Dalton. That's what you said. I think that's a better idea. Either don't way, you? I'm going to end up stuck here while you guys are eating tacos. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. All right. Luke and Kelly will have things tomorrow. We'll rejoin you Friday from Fuzzies. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.